podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of 49ers Unrestricted. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. And Daniel, Kyle Shanahan lives rent-free in Sean McVay's head. It is not yes. even close. How are you feeling about Monday night's big, big win over the LA Rams? I could not feel better about it. Um, I had the utmost Joy and pleasure of being at Levi Stadium for this game. And did I expect that game to happen the way it did? Absolutely not. If I was honest with all of you and myself, I was worried. I was skeptical going into the game. Did I expect a win? No, I did not. Um, I thought having Robert Woods out and Odell in certainly made a win more possible. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Odell. Um, but I was blown away by our defense specifically that got the game done. Um, yeah. So many, so many things we'll talk about of why that game was amazing. Um, but as you said about Sean McVay, about Kyle living rent-free in his mind, Jimmy Garoppolo has never lost to the Rams. And of course, 90% of football fans in the country were thinking that the Niners were going to lose to the Rams. Um, and I saw a meme earlier in the week. I don't remember if I said it to you or not, Timmy. I think I did. Yeah. It was like a picture of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Odell. And it was like all of this to defeat this. And then the bottom part was a picture of Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy has never lost to the Rams. And he still has not lost to the Rams. And that's what I'm talking about. I uh, I sent Daniel a meme that's just uh, – it's, Shan- it's like a Shanahan family photo with uh, – Sean McVay's face edited on the one of Kyle Shanahan's kids. Cause I, it really feels like I was texting. I don't know if it was you or somebody else. It's kind of like dad strength. It's like when like the kid is way more athletic and like better than his dad. But like, if you're playing one-on-one hoops, the dad is just going to pull out some trick and tap into some like energy reserve and somehow win. And that's what happens every time Kyle Shanahan play, coaches against Sean McVay. There's just, it's so funny because their backgrounds are just like so similar and they're friends and Sean McVay really just wants to beat Kyle Shanahan and he just can't. I mean, that's the five wins. Minds. Yeah. Yeah, the top two offensive minds in the NFL. And, you know, one, uh, Kyle Shanahan taught Sean McVay everything he knows, but he didn't teach him everything Kyle Shanahan knows. And that showed up uh, That showed up last night. It's, it's so fun to watch. And, I mean, five straight wins against the L.A. Rams, the last three of them coming when the 49ers should have been massively outmatched in this Monday. And then the two wins last year, the Rams were a supremely better team. And we still managed to beat them every time. It's so fun. Yeah, it really was this matchup that really – I agree with the, the living rent free in his head, be, or at least just Kyle being better-minded and just being smarter than Sean because we, on paper, absolutely should not have won this game. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, are you kidding me? And then the way Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are playing is just unreal. And those guys on either side of the ball, it's just unreal. And not that our team is is like nowhere close, but the way we've been playing the last four or five weeks, it's just absolutely like that is 
you got to give so much credit. I'm trying to put a percentage on it. But you got to give so much credit to Kyle Shanahan and his offensive mind and, and what you said, hit dad strength of him finding some way to, to figure it out. Because the way you just described the dad and the son pair, Sean's team is the son who is faster in, in every other way, just better in every way. And Kyle pulled out that trick that we're talking about, um, a bunch of different tricks, actually. And it was, a, it was a crucial game. So, so many things to get into. And then some some stuff that we want to discuss afterwards that we've, we've seen reports of after the game. So, a lot of good stuff yeah. to talk to. I think the thing is, I think not only does Kyle Shanahan pull out of the sauce, but Sean McVay gets frazzled against Kyle Shanahan, too. When I knew, I was like, there's just something like – off with Sean McVay was when he ran that fake field goal. It's like Sean McVay is not calling a fake field goal normally. Like, I don't know. It's just a funny coaching matchup, but yeah, I'm ready to, uh, to talk about this game. I'm excited. And then talk about the 49ers season going forward and what, how we're feeling. I got to start us off with mentioning. I don't know if they showed it on TV. I'm assuming they did. I hope everyone saw that entrance with Debo and Trent leading the charge. I'm sure if they didn't show it on TV, you've seen it on Bleacher Report or ESPN, the highlight reel of Debo and Trent Williams leading the line and then just bopping to whatever song that was as they came down the tunnel. Um, that was an electric entrance at the stadium. It was so cool getting to watch these guys run out of the tunnel. I was just telling Timmy a second ago, I was like one of the first, uh, first few rows in the second deck. So I had great view of the field but I'm far away from the tunnel. Like that is, that is some distance there. And I just looked at Trent Williams coming out of the tunnel and was like, Oh my gosh, he's big. And then especially when Nick Bosa comes out, I'm like, I can see the definition of his triceps from hundreds of feet away. Like this is insane. These guys are massive and strong human beings. Um, and it was just so fun to see them come out. Like Fred Warner was so excited out of the tunnel, just hyping the fans up. Like, that is not something I've gotten to see yet um, with this crew. So very grateful that I got to see that and um, getting to hear the, the starting lineups announced and watch my boy Talano Hufunga get another start and be announced in the stadium was just so cool. Um, and I really, really enjoyed getting to, to be a part of that atmosphere for once. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to be there. I'm very very, very jealous, hoping to to make it to a game in L.A., make it to the rematch of this in L.A. in January. Let's trade Ram games. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping for a big win then, too. I'm telling you, there's just something about these uh, these 49ers when they play these Rams, and it's it's funny to watch. What uh, what stood out to you this game, Daniel? What what jumped out to you other than just the shellacking that the 49ers put the Rams through? Hopefully uh, Aaron Donald knows who Debo Samuel is now. Um, if he doesn't, that's on him at this point. And yeah. Um, I've got to say, these are some of the biggest things that stuck out to me is some of them have been the keys of success that you and I have been pointing out the last few weeks. They finally turned those around. And I'm not saying this to, to make you and I feel better about ourselves. Like, oh, they listened to us, of course, and they, they fixed it because what we said, no, no. I just think these are crucial things that they, they understood, they fixed. The Niners had... 20 first downs on Monday, 20 first downs. That is amazing. I had, did not get a chance to go back at other weeks. I want to go back and look at the last four to five weeks and see how many first downs they had. And I just think there's no way 
that there was that many first downs in any other weeks. So they converted on, not that all of those were on third down conversions to first downs, but there was plenty of, of third down conversions and fourth down conversions that they went for it and they got a first down. No fake field goal there. I will say Kyle screwed me in one of my fantasy leagues at the last play because we're up by a chunk. I mean, we were up 31-10, I believe, in the last minute, yeah. And we were fourth and six. We're in field goal range, and I'm down one and a half points, and I have Robbie Gold. He's the last person in the game. And I'm like, oh, he's going to kick a field goal, and I win it. And Kyle goes for it on fourth and six, and we get it and just to run out the clock. And I'm like, okay, you don't want to give him the ball back. That's fine. It's 31-10. We're going to win. Especially if you make a 34-10. I don't know. So that 34-10 really so would have made a difference. What if he missed? I don't care. I just I he wouldn't. He wouldn't. But I'm like, Kyle, I lost that week simply because you decided to go for it on fourth and six. How many times earlier in the season did we not go it on fourth and one or fourth and two? I know. End of the game, different situation. So that's a side note. We got a lot of first downs. We were able to push that time of possession. If you watch the game, you oh, know baby we had the time ball of possession. a lot more than them. And I will say we darn near had the ball twice as much as the Rams. We had the ball 39 minutes and three seconds, and the Rams had it 20 minutes and 57 seconds. That is within a minute of twice the amount of time of possession as the Rams. That was crazy. The last thing that surprised me is the turnovers. We had zero turnovers, and we had two early interceptions, and we capitalized on them massively. And that, I, I truly think, is the key to the, why we won the game. Yeah. No, those interceptions, I mean, Jimmy Ward had two interceptions. Ready, Daniel? Ready for the big question? What, who was the 49ers head coach the last time Jimmy Ward had an interception before Monday night? Before Monday night? Before Monday night. Jimmy Ward had two interceptions on Monday night. The last time Jimmy Ward had an NFL interception, who was the 49ers head coach he was playing for? I feel like if if you're asking this question, it's it's a trick question. So I want to go Mike Singletary, but I feel like that's not it. No, that's too far. It's it's Chip Kelly. (laughs) It's Chip Kelly. So it's not that far back. It's just one coach back, really. But still pretty pretty far far back there. there. He's been around since 2014, I believe. Sing, uh, Jimmy, what do you, I think he may have played one one year when uh, Jim Harbaugh was the head coach, but I could be making yeah, that so up. Yeah, so I went too far. Yeah, you know Mike Singletary was pre-Harbaugh. He would be like he would have been in the NFL for like 20 years, Daniel, if he played under Singletary. Yeah, for real. You know what I forgot? Yeah. That Debo Samuel is only in his third year. Yeah, that's crazy. He's a rookie in 2019. I, I just feel like he's been around so much longer than that. I was reading an article on Blue Trip Report. Second round pick. And it was rating the top five draft classes in the last like two or three years. Mm-hmm. And it had the Niners 2019 draft class as like the top draft class in the last of any NFL team in the last three what years. What is that? Warner, played. Debo, Singletary, not Singletary, um, McGlinchey. Is that, is yeah, that that class? Uh, I want to say, I'm trying to remember who, wasn't Debo the first round? Debo was like early second round. 
I think McGlinchey would have been the first. Let me get my lightning fingers to look this up so I know exactly what we're talking Oh, what are we doing here? 2019, second overall pick. Oh, Nick, Nick Bosa. Bosa. Nick Wait, that's Bosa. the same year Debo was drafted? That does not yes, feel right. that's why I was confused. It really is. doesn't feel right. You're right. And then Debo, and then Jalen Hurd. The second round pick. Should we do our news for Jalen Hurd real quick? Oh, we'll get there. I, wah, there's a lot of news, wah. so we'll get there. Um, fourth round. Do you know who the fourth round pick was in 2019? I mean, I'm looking at it right now, but I wouldn't have known if you hadn't told me. If you Mitch asked, like I wasn't Wisnowski. looking. Mitch Wisnowski. We drafted a punter, Mitch Wisnowski, in the fourth round. And it was worth it. Before Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. The fifth round, Dre Greenlaw. Just blows my mind, man. I can't believe that we got him so late. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I really just forgot about that draft class, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, that's Of course, we all good. remember tight end Caden Smith. <laughs> nope. I mean, I, I like know the name. I don't think he ever did anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's let me get set the scene real quick with some news and some injuries because we always have some injuries. Um, I have injuries. We, we have waived Dre Kirkpatrick. I'm stoked about that. I don't know about anyone else, but I'm excited that he's not necessarily a part of this anymore. Mainly because that means some guys are getting healthy because he was yeah. brought in for injuries. And maybe We've some also, rookies are developing. Heck yeah, they are. You go, Hufunga. And uh, we have waived Jalen Hurd. Tim, let me hear your thoughts, man. I texted you when we saw this, and I said, man. this guy played, I don't know, a down in the no, three years. He never played. He never played a regular season game for the 49ers. He didn't, oh God. And we just – I just feel bad. Well, for maybe him. he did. Maybe he did see one game this season. No, not this season. Yeah, then I don't think he ever played a game for three years. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurd so bad for the guys and for the guys that did not make a roster spot. The Niners were holding out for yeah. him to get healthy and play. And that's the thing. I don't know if it was like if it really, really was just bad injury luck. But I mean, I I still remember his one preseason game when he caught two touchdowns and looked absolutely electric. Like he was good. I mean, I've had him on fantasy teams for three years, waiting for that Jalen Hurd breakout. So. Maybe it's just an unfortunate round of injuries. Maybe it's another example of terrible draft picks and player development by the Shanahan Lynch Lake regime. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I think maybe we'll learn a bit more as reports come out as to really what, what happened there. But right now to me, it looks like a, a promising player who just never, um, who just couldn't get his body right and just had some bad injury luck. Yeah. Hey, I want to, I'm just gonna note this, but I wanna I wanna talk about this in a second because I I read some reports on what Kyle Shanahan had to say about these two guys. Um, I'm gonna get through the the rest of the injuries, but then let's talk about these two guys, Dre Greenlaw and Jaquaski Tart. Their practice windows have opened, so that doesn't yeah. mean that they're they're free to play on Sunday. They could if they're healthy enough, but those two guys coming back, we're gonna talk about them because there's been two guys that have really stepped up in their absence. Um, so as those guys are back onto the roster, Mohamed Sanu and Tavon Wilson head to the IR. I'm going to do a little tag team action here. Elijah Mitchell has a broken finger. He did not practice today, but he is expected to play on Sunday. I read that and was like, yep, he's going to miss some time. And then read the report today that he did not practice but is expected to play. And I'm like, I yeah, have never broken uh, a finger. Apparently he broke it during the game and doesn't know when, because he just kept playing. 
And it's it's apparently not uncommon for a running back to have this injury, have this surgery, and, and play the same week. So that just blows my mind, man. Football's yeah, a, a different game. Um, Debo was limited today. Shannon's bothering him, but he is expected to play as well. We've kind of seen that week in, week out with him. Um, he keeps getting banged up pretty much every week. You know, not it's not a shock. He is being used and hit constantly. So kind of taking it a little lighter in the earlier part of the week and then practicing or some weeks he didn't even get a full practice in before going out and playing again. So I get it. I mean, when you are the workhorse that he has been, I understand that being as it is. And he's just been good too. Elijah Mitchell has been good. So good. Uh, Sorry. I was just talking about Debo. Debo. uh, And I might cut that out because that was bad for me, but Debo has been awesome. (laughs) Good. To Michael Hasey, uh, did not practice Wednesday, and he was out this last week, so I, I don't know where he's at with his ankle. Um, he didn't practice no. today, so tomorrow, if, if he sits out again, I don't expect him to play. Um, Jalen Morris, questionable after hurting his knee in the game. Um, we had a lot of O-line guys out there. Brunskill was out there. Compton was out there. Moore was out there. Um, I believe I already said, did we already say last week that Mike McGlinchey is out for the year? Yeah, yeah. Mike McGlinchey's out for the year. I I hopped on before our uh, our regularly scheduled programming yes. to, to chat about that for a minute. But yeah, McGlinchey's done yeah. for the year, so that means either Jalen Moore or uh, Tom Compton filled in, and hopefully we get more more than Compton. Yeah, I think uh, Compton came in when Moore was was feeling it. Yeah, he did. Last injury is uh, Josh Norman is questionable, and we'll see how he's feeling tomorrow and Friday. Haven't heard yeah. any designation for if, if he gets in or not. So, okay. I mentioned that Dre Greenlaw and Jaquaski Tart are their practice windows are opening. Personally, I'd be surprised if either or both of them played on Sunday, mainly because they're just coming off IR. It didn't sound like they were healthy before coming off of, like they're they're raring and ready to go. And not to mention the fact that um, Aziz Al Share and Talanoa Hufunga filling in for those guys' spots have not only like filled that role well, but have excelled. Aziz Alshare was awesome on yeah. Monday. He's been awesome. Same thing with Hufunga. Bias out of the question. Hufunga has stepped in in a huge way and has made an impact, and we have not felt like, oh, we've got a lot of B-team guys out on the field. These guys are stepping in and filling this role awesome. Yeah, yeah. the, the Alshire-Greenlaw quotes, because to me that felt like a, you know Greenlaw is the guy – He's one of our, he's a top player at his position, all that. And to have Shanahan say, um, and to have Shanahan say what he said, which was essentially, well, here's the quote. He said it, I think in today's press conference, I do think it'll be hard for Greenlaw to uh, unseat Aziz right now, just because Aziz has played at a high level. I think it'll take a while for him to have the chance to pass him over again. I don't, I don't agree with that. Aziz Alshire has been good. But Dre Greenlaw is a top player at the position, at his position. I find it hard to believe that that Alshire really has outplayed him. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong and missing something. But Dre Greenlaw is a top linebacker. I feel like I don't think Alshire has been playing like that. So we'll we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, it. I agree that that one is the the closer. Um, I don't want to say matchup because they're on the same team. I, just, I couldn't find a better word in my head. Um. But it, it certainly seems like the, the closer battle. Um, but Greenlaw has been out, I want to say, since week three. Did he get hurt against the Packers? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. That sounds right. I don't even think he played against the Packers. I'm, Packers, I'm looking back. Um, and Aziz Alshair has Osar has been leading the team in tackles, at least in total tackles, um, for a lot of those early weeks. I want to say, was it really back in week two? I'm trying to find really quickly where the, the last time I can see some stats from um, from Greenlaw. So I'm, I'm not seeing him. So I think he's been out quite a bit. But I do think Aziz has been awesome in his absence. But you're right. I don't know if he's necessarily outplayed him. But I certainly think for, for Sunday, uh, Aziz should be getting the start. If Unless Greenlaw is absolutely 100% healthy, yeah. no question, let Aziz play because he's been killing it. Don't Yeah, that's – that's fair. And maybe, maybe that's what Shanahan means, but I also think Greenlaw should be getting playing time. And if he doesn't, yeah, that's questionable I mean, it, to me. if I was to make the decision, I think I, I would absolutely start Aziz on Sunday. And once Greenlaw is fully healthy, then we can look at playing time. Um, but I will say, I, I think I personally think that Aziz has earned a starting spot um, for sure. And, you know, that's tough in the linebacker room because sometimes there's only two guys out there. Sometimes they, they throw a third out there. And um, I do think Aziz has earned a big role on the team. I think that with Greenlaw back, Aziz at the very least has said, hey, I should be out on the field more. And so they look at a, a three linebacker package more often. Um, or they they split time at, at, even at, at the the will linebacker position. There's, there's certain names for linebacker yeah. positions. We don't need to get into that right now to describe that. But that's what they call their position. Um, yeah, I, I do think that Aziz has, has really earned a spot, but it, it is tough to compare them. And so I, in my mind, I pretty much hold an open competition for the starting job. Um, and I know that's hard to do in middle of a season, but I think that they both are awesome and both deserve to be out there. Obviously not before our, our boy, Fred Warner. Yeah. I think Fred Warner's job is probably safe. Pretty dang safe, right? Okay, let's look at the other pairing. Kalanoa Hufunga and Jaquaski Tart coming back. Hufunga has been awesome in Tart's absence. I definitely think Dre Greenlaw, if we're going to say, deserves more of a starting role than Tart. Not that Tart has been poor this season. I just don't think he's made as much of a difference in his position as Greenlaw has made in his position. Yeah, And I think that Hufunga has made a big difference in Tart's absence. So I see Tart needing to, to fight for that spot more than Greenlaw. Um, yeah, and I, I think the – I mean, not that Aziz isn't going to continue to get better, but, you know, Talano Hufunga's a rookie. Like, he's going to get better every single game. So I agree that that seems to be a much – I think that spot in the long term becomes a much more contended spot than the Greenlaw-Aziz battle turns into. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, I mean, it's funny that I say this for this pair, but I, I think that I really do believe that Aziz, I think he's been incredible. I think that he really does deserve to stay in at least a little bit longer. Um, and I, as much as I, I think I'm saying that he doesn't deserve to keep it no matter what, simply because I really like Dre Greenlaw. But if I'm taking my bias out of it, I do think that Greenlaw needs to earn it back. Um, I think that Aziz has been awesome and Greenlaw has been out a, uh, quite a while, I'd say. I mean, I haven't seen him in the stats since week two. Yeah. Um, so I do think he needs to earn it back. Um, sure. I, think, I mean, the business aspect of it, I think Aziz has been great. Our defense was incredible this last week, and he was a huge part of it. So I think that Greenlaw does need to earn it back. 
So it's I'm why I say it's funny is because I love Talanohu Funga, and I'm saying nah, Tart doesn't need to earn it back as much as 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 Greenlaw does because I think Hufunga no. really just has outplayed almost at this point. So maybe we see just some more split snap time out on the defense. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting going forward as these guys come back and and continue to get healthy. Okay, Timmy, I want to hear some of your thoughts on Jimmy Ward, just his play. I mean, man, that guy's good. He's a perennially underrated safety. Like he's always one of the better safeties in the NFL. Always been up there. When he's out there, he plays well. And uh, I think some of that is like. As a safety, whether or not it's fair, you are judged by interceptions as a defensive back yes. in general. That's a huge, yeah. huge stat. So to pull down two last night, one of them on just a ridiculous Stafford overthrow, that was a great pick. And then another pick six, like to have those opportunities, those are momentum changing plays, hopefully not just for this game, but for maybe a career arc, maybe a season on our, I want to talk about momentum for the season as well at some point this episode. But yeah, I thought Jimmy Ward played great. What did you think, Daniel? I need you to help me understand something because I, what I loved about being at the game is I could see the whole field. And as I talked earlier about, I loved being Matt able Stafford to see the kicker apparently. turns. Well, here's the thing is I don't think that interception was truly his fault. I don't know if you could see it on the TV, but Odell was running a streak on the sideline and he stopped right as Stafford is throwing the ball. And that's why. Was this, this the initial one? This is the first one. This is the first interception where Stafford aired it out. And it was kind of a Patrick Mahomes, like, ah, Tyreek's down there. Like, throw it. And Odell was running a streak. He stopped. And then when he saw the ball coming towards Jimmy Ward, a little closer to where he was supposed to be, like, Odell absolutely would have had to cut in. It was not right on his route. But because Stafford pretty much topped it out instead of got some distance under it, it was more just up. Jimmy Ward is right there. And so Odell, I wish you guys could just see the visual I wanted to draw up. Odell was just streaking down the sideline, running the numbers, and then stopped and then had to redirect and sprint. And so that hit that he got on Jimmy, he stopped and then just did a dead sprint to go catch up to Jimmy at the last second. But if Odell didn't stop running, he would have been able to maybe have a, a contested Hail Mary catch with Jimmy. But I, So I think that's on Odell instead of Stafford. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never heard of Odell not being able to work well with a quarterback on his team. So <laughs> I, I don't know. And I have I heard just, of Matthew Stafford throwing interceptions. So I just <laughs> good. Nice point, Jimmy. Thank you. I thank just, you. I just can't believe how much of the blame is going on the Browns and Baker. And maybe yeah. that's just because I think Odell is one of the most overrated. If oh, not for sure. The most overrated player in the NFL. He made maybe the world's greatest catch. Awesome. Can't stay healthy. Has not been super fantasy relevant or has not played to his ADP, his average draft position in sure. years. And I think he's had like two solid good seasons and that's it. Can't stay healthy. And, you know, I can't work with the quarterback. Yeah, I think it's you instead of them, buddy. If your exes are saying the same thing about you, I think it's your fault. Um, so I just... Yeah, if everyone so if everyone you meet is a jerk, you might have to start wondering if you're the jerk, that kind of right. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. The Odell trade cracked me up. It's like, Odell, it's like, I'm with you. Like he hadn't been that good. It's a net loss for them gaining Odell and then losing Robert Woods, uh, wide receiver, Robert Woods to an ACL tear for the season. And it's a significant net loss between those two. Um, Someone made a joke to me saying that like, wow, Robert Woods really didn't want to play with Odell. No. Like, I don't think that's it, but what a, yeah. So this, I mean, I'm with you. Our defense, our defense played super well. Um, Bosa is Bosa. That's that's my takeaway on that. Um, Got another sack. Anything big on the defense before we move to the offense? Because I would like to talk about the Aaron Donald stopper, also known as Daniel Brunskill, who can't block anyone in the NFL besides the best defensive tackle in NFL history, apparently. Because that's multiple games in a row where Daniel Brunskill has managed to just completely shut down Aaron Donald. I just don't get it. And it, he's like, okay, I, I, I wonder if it's a thing where it's like, he's like, okay, he has expectations when it's anyone else besides Aaron Donald. Like, yeah, I can go out there and do well because it's not Aaron Donald. And when it's Aaron Donald, he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to, you know, try my best. <laughs> and when he has that kind of mindset, he like does his best, you know? I don't know. Like, I think right. I, maybe it's like actually something just like schematic that the 49ers do that like make it hard for Aaron Donald to get to the quarterback. But I'm just going to assume that Daniel Brunskill just has this like, oh, it's somebody else. My quarterback can handle it. Aaron Donald can't let that guy get to him. Like he's too good. I don't know. It's it's comical at this point because he did it to Daniel Brunskill did it to him last year, and Daniel Brunskill has been like Pro Football Focus's like worst graded interior offensive lineman this season, and then he comes up against the best player at his position in the history of the NFL and just completely shuts him down. Maybe it's just one of those like somebody comes up to him before the game and is like, "Remember, if you want to get paid." This is the one time you have to do something good. Like that's all anybody's because at the end of the season, people are going to be like, Oh, Daniel Brunskill. How did he do in 2021? And I'm going to be like, well, he shut down Aaron Donald in that one game. And people are going to be like, cool. Like pay him. him. Hey, the man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know if this wasn't as much of a highlight as it should have been. George Kittle just pancaked Von Miller. And not that Von Miller is like a big dude, like Aaron Donald, but he is, an all-star, incredible defensive end, linebacker. Yeah. And the Von Miller move, the opposite of the Odell move, like Von Miller's really, really good still, even though he's a little older. Yes. Yeah, so that block was incredible. Just absolutely pancaked by Kittle. Dude, Kyle Juszczyk was throwing out blocks way up high. I loved it. There was a couple of plays where I saw Alex Mack get way downfield to throw some blocks oh, down. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't see other teams' offensive linemen make blocks this far down the field. Granted, I don't get to watch every game from other teams in the way that I watch the Niners, so maybe I miss it. I don't know. Some um, of that is some of that is schematic, but I, I also agree that yes. some of it is just our line is great. Last couple of comments I got on the defense, and uh, real quick is I really do think Aziz Alshire was legit. Um, oh yeah, he had a huge hit um, out of the line, and he was he was just gunning from way out. Like he was. In the middle of the field, I'm trying to remember who he hit. I want to say it was Daryl Henderson. Um, and he just – he. I, I think this is because I was there. Again, I'm able to see the entire field. But on TV, you can't always see some of the linebackers, let alone the safeties. And I just see these guys every play. Aziz did this and made some big hits, but especially my boy Talano Hufunga. Every single play – there are so many defensive plays where I'm like, I just want to watch Hufunga and see what he yeah. does. Even if the play is not near him, the play is always near him because, or is going to be because he, and I know it like this sounds silly. Cause this is what everyone is supposed to be doing, 
but he is always there at the end of the play. He's either like charging in and if the play went two more yards, he was about to make a big hit or he did make a big hit or was part of the tackle. He's literally in every play or is like jumping up and down after the play because he was so close to getting a hit. Like I'm just amazed by how involved he makes himself. It's not, Oh, I was just involved in a lot of tackles. He makes himself involved in every situation. So the defense brought it and I was amazed by their play. Totally. Yeah. Defense played great. Um, If we want to talk offense, I think we got to talk Jimmy. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you kind of laugh sometimes when people are like, oh, like we brought in this rookie, not just to like have him be our rookie, but because we wanted to like put pressure on our veteran guy and like make him play better. But I mean, Jimmy has been top, top tier Jimmy the past three weeks and the 49ers can win and win a lot of games with top tier Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he went, what, 11 for 11 to start the game or something like that. It was it was a a lights out fantastic Jimmy Garoppolo performance at quarterback on Monday night. One of the guys I was with made a comment saying, because he was 11 for 11, I believe. He's like, oh, Jimmy could throw a perfect game. (laughs) I was like, that's awesome. That is a baseball reference, fans. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Finished at 15 for 19. So, you know, that's a normal Jimmy stat line. He doesn't throw the ball a crazy amount. And as I said, we had the ball for literally two thirds of the game. But there was totally. a good amount and of I, rushing attempts. Twenty-seven think, from Elijah Mitchell. And I think that's what Jimmy Garoppolo attempts. is. Like when things are humming, when things are going well, he can put the game away and he can win you a football game. But when things go wrong, he can't always like make up for that on his own. And that's ultimately why the 49ers will move on to Trey Lance eventually. But right now the issue is I don't think Trey Lance is at a position currently to make up for a lot of the other things that have been happening with this 49ers team recently. But when we play like we do last night, Jimmy Garoppolo can, can win and he can, he can win. And that's what he did or not last night on Monday. And that's, so I, you know, for the first time in a while, I'm saying, I think I want Jimmy to start next Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no interceptions, which is awesome. You know, it's, it's not every team gets to say like, oh, yeah, of course we had no interceptions. No, there was still thing. there was still the classic Jimmy Garoppolo like, oh, look at that throw and catch. And it's like, oh, like George Kittle, whoever that was, just had to jump four feet in the air to grab the ball and like almost died. But, you know, we have to, I, we can put up with that, I guess. I want to say that I feel like I didn't see that at least nearly as much as we normally do. I can't yes, think that's of a true. single time where I thought, okay, he really like airmailed this one and they really had to work for it. It, You know, I'm sure he didn't fix it overnight or over, over a week, I guess, but I certainly think he had it locked down much better and is trending in the right direction with that. Sure. Um, But you're right. It is the classic people say like, Oh, Jimmy just threw a a 30 yard pass to George Kittle. Like, yeah, he gets the yards, but we all know it was a six yard slant and George Kittle, the yak King, fought for every yard after catch that he could and made it the 34 yards that it was. So but that, that is this offensive scheme. That is the yes. Shanahan offensive scheme. It's make the throws, have the clean footwork, like get the ball out, run the offense. And the offense is good enough. That is, if you run it right, we're going to, we're going to win. And that, and that worked last night. And ultimately you've seen this move away from that in the disciples of that offense, Sean McVay being the perfect example to say, okay, you know what? No, like, 
this is not enough anymore. Like I need a quarterback who can go above and beyond, who can transcend this. And that's you get to Matthew Stafford. And that ultimately is where Trey Lance comes from. But tonight was a vintage game of, for that offense and a vintage game for Jimmy Garoppolo of, yeah, things were humming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, he only threw the ball 19 times, a very low amount for a normal quarterback. Yeah. But that's mainly because Elijah Mitchell, 27 rushing attempts, yeah. 91 yards, a good amount of yards. That's an average of 3.4 on 27 rushing attempts. 20, not 27 rushing attempts. That's, just that's insane. Debo had five and a touchdown. Jeff Wilson had 10 and Jimmy had two. Yeah. So let me do some quick math. 27 plus 25 is 32. And then throwing Jeff Wilson's 42, 44 total rushing attempts for the team. Yeah. Compared to the 19 pass attempts. That's crazy. And that, and you know, that's the classic, like, did we win because we ran the ball a lot or did we run the ball a lot because we were winning type of thing? But that's the recipe that leads to a 39 minute time of possession. And when you possess the ball for 39 minutes and three seconds of a 60 minute game, you're probably going to win. And so that, that was just one of those classic, just, we're just going to run the ball down your throats and because there's nothing you can do to stop at moments. And it was, it was fun to watch. Tons of rushing attempts. It worked a lot of short runs, but that's why we had two thirds of the time possession, man. I mean, it worked. Um, And that's obviously not going to happen every game, but no, I want to move to Debo. Oh, Let's talk Debo. Who? I mean, there's just there's nothing there's nothing. Well, that's what he does with the Rams, man. Yeah. He hates the Rams because I believe Aaron Donald said that one time, right? Yeah. When they're talking, he's like Debo Samuel, and he's like, "Who?" Yeah. And Debo's like, "I'm gonna make you remember me." And if Aaron Donald, he has remembered ever, him. Yes, if Aaron Donald in any interview for the rest of his life says, "Who's Debo?" Yeah. Everyone and their mother knows he's lying. I wonder. I wonder what he'd say Aaron if he looks like the idiot. What do you think he'd say when you ask him who Daniel Brunskill is? <laughs> well, I would love to know what he says about. He might be like, oh, that Niner guy who shuts me down? He might not know his name, but he knows his number for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what like what new things for us to say about Debo because we've been saying it. But he is just a weapon. I mean, he, he can do it all. I believe, was it George Kittle that called him a unicorn? Yeah. I mean, he had how many rushing attempts did Debo have yesterday? Five for 36 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. He's awesome. And then he's he had, the perfect uh, player for this offense. Yeah, he had five targets for five receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown, man. Um, wow. Someone, at, George Kittle, actually out-targeted Debo, um, but they each had five receptions and killed just for 50 yards and a touchdown. But it's my favorite thing, man, being in that stadium. Uh, Rams getting the ball first, us immediately getting an interception on, I want to say it was the fourth play of the drive. Yeah. Interception take 11 minutes, 11 minutes for one drive to get down the field to throw the and ball they just, to they, Kittle. It was never in doubt either. Like a minute into that drive, I was like, oh, they can't stop us. We got this. No. It, it wasn't like, oh, we're 10 yard run down the field every time. It was like three yards, four yards, first down. It was just constantly like, oh, we're getting the first down. Oh, we're getting the first down. And it was amazing. No. Um, I loved, I loved seeing 
seeing the ball thrown to some other guys as well. But granted, there was barely the ball thrown. Um, And this just popped in my head. This is so very random. But the kick returner for the Rams, number 17, J.J. Koski, went to my high school. So that was fun seeing him out there. I knew that he was on the Rams. He had been on their practice squad. And then uh, I don't think he was with the team all year until a couple weeks ago and has since joined them. So when it was – when they He were joined saying, right and, when they got bad, huh? But apparently. But he, he was on them last year and then just maybe didn't make the roster to start this year. But Open know, invite that, that to really, come on the pod. Dude, I could just text JJ Koski and be like, hey, man – Remember me? Probably not. We went to high school together. I come on the pod. <laughs> how do you feel about coming on a podcast where we're just going to ridiculously smack talk your team and talk about how yeah. your ke- head coach consistently gets owned by our head coach every year? But it really helped me understand and like understand that like these are normal people. I know that. Um, but if I meet Nick Bosa, of course, he would be like, oh, hi, Mr. Bosa. No. But it really helped me. Like These are real dudes. Some of them are younger than me, and that's crazy to me. Um, but they're just out there living their lives, having fun. And so it was just crazy seeing, like, I know that dude. Like, I had a class with him, and he's out there on the field kick returning. So yeah, that was cool, man. Yeah. Um, I want to talk – we should probably start looking forward to next week's matchup, but I want to talk broad picture – oh, yeah. I want to ask one thing. I do want to talk some next week stuff with the Jags. Oh, yeah. But I want to ask one thing, and I want to hear some opinions from you on it. Sorry, I should have made a note no, about no, no. earlier. You're good. Trey Sermon. Cut him. We have not seen him. Excuse me? Cut him. We don't need him. He has a smile on his face, everybody. He does not mean that. Well, I mean it a little. No way. No way. But I I will say Kyle Kyle Shanahan said this week, I don't remember what day, um, and he was quoted talking about Sermon. And, and, you know, same situation as Ayuk, at least where he said, oh, he's not in the doghouse. But we've finally seen some – Ayuk usage. Um, he only had three targets, uh, four set. Sorry, backwards. Four targets for three receptions for 26 yards. So, not a lot of action on Monday. But again, not a lot of yeah. thrown. But Sermon has been gone. Um, he has not been injured of recent. He's been active and he just has not seen the field. I believe he's been out there for some special teams. But Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon have quite literally switched from what we thought in the preseason. Elijah Mitchell was going to make the team because of a special team usage, and Trey Sermon was going to be the number one and a half running back, the 1B, compared um, with Raheem Mostert being 1A. And I understand Elijah Mitchell stepping in to replace Raheem Mostert because they're very similar, but that doesn't that didn't move, or in our minds, wasn't going to move Trey Sermon from being the 1B guy. But Kyle said that Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson have just outplayed him or maybe the other way it goes the other way saying that Trey Sermon has not been better than those two guys. So he's not been out there, but Jeff's been injured for like the entire season. And Jamichael hasty has, you know, looked okay in his limited usage. I still don't understand why Trey's getting zero looks, but I, mean, I just – I don't even know. I don't have a, a question for you, but I don't know if we have any thoughts on this running back situation. There's a few reasons, right? If if Trey Sermon was going to to assert himself in this job, it would have happened already because he had his chance. He had a game where basically every running back of the 49ers was gone and he was the guy. And if you're not playing after that, like, we, we kind of know at that point. I mean, when on Johnson is, like, maybe going to oh get more gosh. snaps than you, like, 
that says something. And so if he hasn't, if he didn't assert it then when Wilson was out, when Hasty was out, when Mitchell was out, he's not going to now. And then there's there's a factor of even if we don't think Hasty is playing as well, ultimately, like NFL head coaches and offensive coordinators are looking for things out of their running backs, especially like the third down guy that aren't the things we care about. We see receptions. We see what you do when the ball is in your hands. A coach is making a decision of who gets out there, especially for a guy who's not going to be his team's leading rusher. They're making those decisions off times when you don't have the ball in your hands. How are you doing in pass protection? Are you making the right decisions? Can they trust you to pick up a blitzer? Things like that. And so there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't see, even though we might say, ah, hasty sermon, neither of them look that good. It might be like, yeah, but we trust hasty to pick up that free blitzer to buy our quarterback that extra second of time on third down. And so I think, I, I think Trey sermon is, is not going to make an impact the, for the 49ers at least this season because if he if he was going to make an impact, he would have done it when all the other guys are out. He's only going to get more competition as the season goes on, not less. And so for that reason, I think it's I, I think cut Trey Sermon from your fantasy teams if you haven't already. Um, maybe in Dynasty, hold on to him if you have a taxi squad spot or something, but I'd cut him. I, I think the Trey Sermon experiment is done and I don't, I don't expect him to really ever have a significant impact for this 49ers team because it's kind of shown that you can't really come back from certain areas what playing under Kyle Shanahan like it or not that has been what we've seen I want to Daniel I want to talk to you about this win big win for the 49ers we're both pumped obviously the week before we were we were disappointed we were ripping into this team so what is this game is it the 49ers just somehow managed to beat the Rams every single year because of this dad strength thing or is this a, hey, a lot of weird things were going on with this team, and this is a turning point, and this is what we're going to see the rest of the season? Is it somewhere in between? Or is this a momentum-changing, season-changing, the 49ers are only one win back, zero losses back from the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs, momentum-changing kind of win? Or is this just there's something weird about when these two teams play? No, I, I, I definitely don't think that it is – uh, the dad strength, like this is a one-time thing. I don't think that by any means. Um, I think that the Niners were able to to get some guys back and have a week or two under their belt. I think that um, they had a, a tough matchup with the Rams and they, they knew that and they really came out firing. And, you know, I was talking with a, a, a 13-year-old boy about this game and he might even be 12. And he said, you know, if the Niners play like that every week, they'll win the Super Bowl. I said, you know, Kevin, you're right. And that's that's really true, though. It is. And that's why I was like, this kid gets it, man. But, you know, it's not that easy. And so I think the Niners have had one of the funkiest seasons um, in my mind, at least from what I was expecting. Part of that is due to injury, but certainly not all. They've still had some playmakers, and even the guys that have stepped up, whether it's Elijah Mitchell, Talanohu Funga, Aziz Alshire, um, Contavious Street, DJ Jones, getting to be kind of some of the, the B-team D-linemen. Um, now Jalen Moore, Tom Compton. Um, who else? I mean, Brunskill's been a starter, but just a lot of the B-team guys who were not expecting to get this much time um, but you know, it's football. There's, there's always a chance these guys are going to be used at some point. And I do not think that this is a, a one-time thing at all. Um, 
you know, I guess we'll really find out next week against the Jaguars. And I say that because if, if there's any ounce of, of struggle, essentially, it shows you that it could be a one-time thing. But if we can come out and dominate the Rams, it is, you know, it is fair to say we should destroy the Jaguars. But the thing yeah. I want to note about that is we did score-wise destroy the Rams, but it wasn't like it was easy. That Jimmy Ward interception to me, because Odell blew his route, the Odell wasn't near the ball. Maybe Stafford just missed him as well. That was a gift. We can't, maybe not a gift, but partially, and we capitalized on it though. So that's the part that we did. The his second interception. Let's not pretend like that wasn't a fluke and it just tipped off right to him, yeah. and he was able to run it back. So those are two plays that you, you can't necessarily bank on. And I'm not going to give Jimmy Ward all the credit for those interceptions. At least that second one, he was just right place, right time, got in the end zone. Um, but I yeah. will give credit to the run game on the short gains, getting those first downs, having the time of possession, and not turning over the ball. Totally. Those and are I, the keys I, that will show us to win. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it could be a turning point. And I've said that before, but I think this time it really could be. I agree that we, we should beat the Jaguars. And I just want to take a second. The 49ers are ninth in the NFC right now. Two, The only teams ahead of us on the playoff race for that seventh seed in the NFC playoff, that last wild card spot, are the Minnesota Vikings, who are at four and five, and they play the Packers we play in next two week. weeks. So yeah, and we play them in two weeks, and they play the Packers next week. So if we if we beat them, they're there we might be two wins ahead of them in a couple of weeks because of the Packers. Then we got the Carolina Panthers, who maybe Cam Newton leads them on a resurgence, and that would be kind of fun. But I don't know if nah. I'd really I don't know if I'd really bet on that. So I think the 49ers having that seven seed, and then we look at our next. Our next four games are the Jaguars. That should be a win. The Jaguars are, are a scrambling team, even though they somehow beat the Buffalo Bills. Trevor Lawrence is good, but besides that, we should win. The Vikings always manage to play close, but the 49ers play like they did on Monday. We beat the Vikings. Then we play the Seahawks, who have kind of sucked all season. So I think we can kind of win that. Like, regardless, people were like, oh, Russell Wilson's coming back. The Seahawks are going to be good. It's like, no, like, they sucked before that, too. Um, and then we have the Cincinnati Bengals. That that will be a tough game. And then we have the the Atlanta Falcons. Like those are five winnable games. The 49ers the Bengals run have through cooled those. Off. Like yeah, the Bengals have cooled off. The 49ers run through those games, and a playoff spot is with is within reach. And that's why when like Shanahan is saying things like, "Look, like we're not going to trade play Trey yet. This game, this like this season is far from over." And it's kind of like, yeah, like I guess you're right. Like. We could get a playoff spot here, and even though like wild card teams don't usually go super far in the playoffs, anything can happen. And so I just think, I think it's going to be a fun next month or so. And I, I just I agree with you that I think this could be a turning point. We should probably we got to wrap up here kind of soon, but we should probably talk Jaguars for a few minutes. I think the only Jaguars analysis we have to say is they they stink and we should win. But a couple of key things to keep an eye on rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, you know, the prince that was promised the greatest quarterback of all time has has looked fine this season. Urban Meyer is kind of scrambling as a head coach. They did beat the Buffalo Bills, but that that feels just like a total fluke, though. That happens from time to time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We'll say that they beat the Bills and there was not a single touchdown in the game. Just to note, it was five field goals, nine to six, I believe. Um, but yeah, Trevor Lawrence has had a rough last two weeks. Um, and he has looked serviceable throughout the year. He has only had a one game with more than one touchdown thrown, 
and that was in week one against the Houston Texans. He has not thrown more than one touchdown for a single game uh, the rest of the season. He did not throw a single touchdown the last two weeks. Um, James Robinson has been battling some some injury issues yeah, running back the last James few Robinson. weeks. Uh, his heel and his knee, he did not practice today. Um, I believe he's supposed to be practicing – or, sorry, he's supposed to be playing on Sunday. I think he'll be healthy enough to yeah, go. I heard he should if be not, Former Niners running back Carlos Hyde will be the starting back. Um, you know, DJ Chark out for the year, if you didn't know that. Uh, LaVishka Chanel, their rookie receiver last year, who was awesome, has been irrelevant this whole year. I don't think Marvin Jones, their newly acquired – well, acquired in the offseason, wide receiver has done much at all. This is not an offense we are scared of, nor is it a defense we're scared of. No. Um, I mean, Josh Allen, defensive end, he's great. Um, I believe he's on the right side going against Trent Williams. So have fun, Josh. Good luck. Yeah. Um, Miles Jack is the middle linebacker. Miles Jack. He's okay. Former UCLA Bruin. I got to be honest, right. part of me thinks he's overrated, but he's done some cool things. Um, I just don't – I don't think this needs to be a game yeah. that we struggle in. But and who I knows, think man? that's I why – the first two weeks as well. That's why this game matters because if the – if if Monday night was a turning point, the 49ers win this game and they win it easily and they steamroll the Jaguars. And if Monday night was a something is just weird about when the 49ers play the Sean McVay Rams, then this game will be close. And that I think is is really important. This game is a is a will be a big signal of what to expect from the 49ers for the rest of the season. If the 49ers are going to go on this late season run, we just kind of talked about and scrape their way into the playoffs and maybe are a feisty team come January. They win on Sunday. Yeah. That, I will and say they, this they win the convincingly and it's never in doubt. And they have the 40 minutes of possession again. You know, this is the most a Niners Jaguars game could matter. Um, I don't think they need the 40 minutes of, of possession time to win, obviously, but you know, I mean, those are the kind of things that those are factors into winning the game. I think the biggest thing is zero turnovers and they capitalized on the turnovers they got. If you give up zero turnovers and you get more than one or two and you're able to go score on those, that's, I mean, that, that is pushing you towards a win more than almost anything else can. So yeah, if and- Jimmy can look the part that he did and, you know, Kittle and Debo and I believe Elijah Mitchell, they've shown up every week. They're not the question. If Jimmy can get the ball to them well, these guys these guys can get a few yards after catch, and the defense can do what they did. We're set, and not just against the Jaguars. Yeah, I totally agree. I Listeners, I think this game it, will be. It's yeah. It's funny because like we say it's an important game, but it's not like an important game is in who wins really matters. It's just a what is this 49ers team? And I think we're going to have more information after Sunday. Yeah. Listeners, if I can recommend anything, go to a game. If you can, let's start a GoFundMe for, for Niners fans to get to a game. You gotta, yeah. you gotta see a game in person. It's, it's different. It's fun. Um, I have not been able to see a regular season game at Levi's until Monday and it's awesome. So continue to watch, continue to, to listen in, hope you've enjoyed the news that we've shared. And, um, don't give up on Trey Sermon. Yeah, don't give up on Trey Sermon. Don't give up on this 49ers team. Um, I know a couple weeks ago I criticized Ted Lasso and said it is the hope that kills you. 
but I'm back in on the whole Ted Lasso thing. I'm back in on hope <laughs> and I'm back in on this 49ers season and uh, listeners. Thanks for being in on the 49ers unrestricted podcast. We'd love to have you. Any parting thoughts, Please. Daniel? Peace and love. Yeah. Have a good one out there, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.